Ed right. with Jordan oh, Jenkins. I don't have that. The CD that I found many years ago in the Christmas section was uh, just the Happy Holidays. They basically cover each month. I guess they found a holiday in each month. I don't know. I, I never listened to the first ten months. I just go straight for the last two. <laughs> and it's Ray Noble. And it was done in 1951. Oh, well, according to my information, it was done in 47 and released in 49. Oh. But I don't know where I got that information, but that's what I wrote on the on the audio file when I ripped it originally. Wow. Wow. So have you had your eye surgery yet? Oh, that was this morning. And how did it go? Well, I have a checkup at 10 o'clock in the morning. So uh, and then I can I have this plastic thing taped over my eye at the moment, which makes, you know, even if my vision is corrected, it's all blurry from the plastic thing. Mm. So for a, for a week or so, I'm going to struggle with, you know, do I put the glasses on for the good eye or take it off for the mm. bad eye or what? <laughs> <laughs> so it makes it hard to see a computer screen. But, uh. Uh, I have a feeling it will it will work out in time. So uh, I'll know better tomorrow, and then I can take this stupid thing off. They make you wear it at night, though, because they think you're gonna you know poke yourself in the eye while you're sleeping or something. <laughs> but in the daytime, I don't have to wear it. I still have an X on my forehead. Uh huh. You know, they always do now when you go to the hospital. They mark your body parts. They're supposed to work on it with an X, so they do the right side. So if they're doing an amputation, they don't want to chop off the wrong arm. Oh, well, which, which has happened. Yeah. Yes, I think that's why they do it. You know, 20 times they ask you your name, they check your wrist thing with your name on it, they want to know your birthday. Twelve people ask me the same series of questions every time. Uh, it was a lot of rigmarole, and it hurt a little bit, but it's better now. I think I had a relative that they had open heart surgery. And they, um, they did the and he wasn't feeling right, something wasn't healing, and the doctor realized he left some of the tools inside, the, inside of him, so they had to go reopen him up to go take out a tool or something. So, I guess boo-boos do happen, right, Patricia? Boo-boos happen. Well, I, boo think, I think mine went smoothly. <laughs> so, well, I'll find out more tomorrow. Yeah. Series of uh, three different eye drops that I'll have to put in, and uh, in a couple of weeks I'll get my new prescription. And, uh, things will look brighter. They already look brighter. It's very blurry still. It's true. It's amazing. My brother had a cataract surgery way to the very last moment before he had it, I but it off way too long. Yep, and. He was one of the unfortunate one that one percent do have infection. He had it, so we had to do three surgeries in three weeks to to fix it. So anybody, if you ever had cataract surgery, if you still have headaches the next day or so, go in and see your doctor. You just never know because it's factory though. There must have been twenty or thirty people they did this morning, and I was the last one. Of course, I went there. I had to go there at seven o'clock in the morning to get uh, my. I went to the doctor Friday and had all of these procedures, but they never faxed it over. So mm. I had to go in early and have all of it done again at the hospital. Mm. EKG and, and a physical. And I was finally cleared and all, all apparently went well. And they gave me a little more, uh, you know, they, they don't knock you out for this. You have to be awake. But uh, I told them last time I didn't feel a thing. So this time I think they, yeah, they upped my dose a little bit. Right. Pleasantly drowsy for an hour after the surgery. <laughs> <laughs> it's all laser, isn't it now? Huh? It's laser surgery, isn't it? Pretty much now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically, there's a lot of bright lights and colors. I believe what they did—they somehow liquefy the old lens and all the cataracts and suck it out, and then they stick a plastic lens in to replace the one they removed. Mm. There's an outer casing that stays there, and they just stick a new lens in. And in my case, both times, they put one stitch in to hold it in. Mm. I'm not supposed to bend over or pick up anything heavy. And, you know, being uh, my next working day would have been, well, tonight. But right. You know, I took that off, and then my next work day would have been New Year's Eve at the New Year's morning. So I figured it's already a holiday. I might as well stay home. Sure. But I love working on New Year's. I usually do if I can, because to me, it's a nothing holiday. 
It doesn't mean anything to me. Well, you know, and let's face it, in the old radio days, as you know, Max, that's when all the big bands used to play. You know, that was sort of a big deal for radio stations to carry live band remotes. But, you know, I don't think they had any band remotes or anything like that in radio in 40 years. So, you know, for a radio station, it's just mostly all football games, you know. Now, we have we have a very special program on BAI, and I think it's available on other non-commercial stations. Mm-hmm. Someone named Peter Beauchamp. Heard of him? No. On his show, it's called uh, Shortcuts, and he basically assembles a, a montage, an hour montage of all the news events of the year mixed with all the music of the year, and it you know, usually ends in a countdown to the new year. We play it at 11 and a couple of other times through the day, and it's just, it's, people should look for it, actually. It's probably online, Shortcuts, and that's a great tradition that we have. Yeah. You know, if other people like the holiday, I don't mind working there. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, because there's one thing you used to hear from old radio, was the year-end review. You know, the networks used to do that, and I don't think uh, I've seen one of those in 30 years, so this is, I'm glad... Uh, He's doing it since 1968, I think, or maybe even earlier. He's been doing these every year. Huh. So, uh, I know he's got a website. Regular programming is good, though, but his year-end shows are very special, and he works on them. <laughs> Sometime later in January, he will do the expanded one, with all the stuff he had to cut out. Yeah. He also has a two-hour show on the station, and he does an extended edition. Plus, you know, people die after he finishes the production. Who was it? He just died yesterday. I don't think he did radio, but he was an 89 years old TV star. Uh, not Jack Klugman, who was it? Right. I'll have to go look for an opiate now. I saw it and I forgot to look him up to see if he did any radio, perchance. Well, I think, uh, as most people may or may not see the news, that Norman uh, Schwarzkopf passed away. And of course, his dad was associated with Game Busters. And it was, they used uh, his, da- his, his dad's name as Colonel Schwarzkopf, but they used by proxy. So you never really got to hear Norman's dad do the game, but, but they use, you know, somebody sat in for him right. in the late 30s, early 40s, you know. Now, I have hopeful news for our listeners to my program on Yesterday USA. Okay. The package actually got to Texas. It's in Texas, according to my, uh, <laughs> my tracking, <laughs> and it has departed the Dallas, Texas facility. Oh, right. That means it still has to get to Richardson, and it still has to go out for delivery. So, I don't know. It may be asking too much on this holiday weekend. Well, we maybe want to drop There's Bill... show on Saturday, but maybe not. Yeah, well, maybe we need to remind Bill, send Bill an email. There's the... the go look at his mailbox, for crying out loud. Yeah, uh, 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 well, very often, you know, it gets there Saturday morning just when the show is going. It's supposed to go on, <laughs> so that's too late. You know, if it doesn't get there Friday... Generally doesn't go on. So where are you playing? What if what what if supposed to be heard this Saturday? You recall? Um. Well, Jay. Now here's where I have to take my glasses off. Uh oh. Uh oh. Dangerous. Well, you know, we we've, we've been running two serials because I figure you know the show's on at eleven o'clock Saturday morning and that's serial time. Yep. Right? Yep. So I've been running uh, Tarzan and the Diamond of Asher. Yep. And we recently added. Superman, and um, it's one, I don't think it was ever released by um, Radio Spirits, they put on a lot of Superman shows, but yeah, it's Batman and Robin, and they're helping Superman, it's right after the Adam Man story. Okay. And there's still three pieces of kryptonite left, the Red, what's her name, the Red Widow, I think? Yep. And sold off the criminals, and yep. Batman and Robin are tracking down kryptonite. Mysterious organization that uses the symbol of the moon and star. Mm. Hmm. Are they Muslims? One wonders. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten that far ahead in the story myself. Okay. So I don't know where it's going. Okay. Uh, it'll run for a couple of months. And uh, we have the Prodigal Panda, a post Christmas story with y- Sam Spade. Yep. Well, a man posing as Sam Spade, anyway. Yeah. Steve Dunn episode. That's right. If you can put out of your mind for a moment that Howard Duff ever played Sam Spade, then you might accept Steve Dunn as Sam Spade. 
I just can't make that leap. Sure. But it's a good show. Sure. <laughs> and finally, what's our, what's our last thing on the show? Oh, the, the Life of Riley New Year's show. That's very funny. Where Riley has to be Babs' date because she's running the, the New Year's dance and he drives away all of her potential dates. <clears throat> so he has to, so he makes Peg go to their New Year's party with Digger Odell. <laughs> And what are you playing this Sunday on your on your show over over there in New York? Oh, I'm still going through that list, and I think we'll hear the Philip Marlowe New Year's story. Okay. I don't know. I I here's a little radio production tip. Yep. You go to OTR Cat. You're familiar with that? Yeah. I, yep. I am. Yep. Dealer, and he compiles all the holiday shows. So I look at his disc of, of New Year's shows. Then I go to the uh, archive.org. And I go to the old-time radio library, and I download all of the things and start listening to them <laughs> to find things that I haven't played before. Sure. So there's a good selection to choose from. Sure. From that list, I will be selecting maybe the Gunsmoke, uh, at least two New Year's Gunsmoke shows, and uh, we'll see. Whatever it is, it will be good. You know, I have two fallback New Year's shows. I like the uh, the 32nd of December, a great uh, suspense episode. Yep. Where the guy gets trapped. Yeah. He's got a magic watch and he's stuck in time or something. Sure, sure. There's a Quiet Please show. It's not really a New Year's show, but it's the same kind of theory. Uh, a man who has a watch. But unlike, you know, absurd time travel stories, this watch only goes back, what, a day, I think? Sure. So... It's a great, it's, it's really a great story with a great uh, surprise ending. Mm. Uh, in a minute, I might even think of the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was originally done in August. But, you know, it works. It's a New Year's show, I think. What the most thing you get a response, you know, when you play your show in, in on Sunday? What, is there generally something that people always ask for? Well, you know, one, one stratagem that I have used to try to, uh, you know, get repeat listeners mm -hmm. is a, at least one continuing series every so often. At the moment, we've been doing Frontier Gentlemen for the last six months or so. But it might be Escape or Suspense, or, you know, I did Philip Marlowe for a while, then Broadway is my beat a few times. Just, just something as a hook. Yeah. And, you know... Many decades ago, when I started doing the show, I used to plan in advance, and you know, we had a we had a publication called the Folio, where they would print program listings. But you know, whenever I would submit things in advance, I'd either get preempted for some news event, mm -hmm. or somebody would die. Right. And, you, know, would, you would have to do a tribute. Yeah. That's less likely these days because, you know, unfortunately, everybody's already dead. Mm-hmm. For the most part. Sure. In the world of old time radio. Sure. But, you know, planning ahead, you lose some spontaneity. Oh, I like to. You know, if I can tie something into a current event, I will try to do that. But I like to run shows from, you know, similar times in the in the year. Oh, yeah. You know, or find show, a show from the same date. Yep. It's always fun. Yep. Yep. Patricia, what do you think? Frontier Gentleman, you think that that's a good... Patricia would agree with that's a good good hook for people to listen to. That is a dynamite listen. The only thing... Uh, are you talking about introducing people to all-time radio with Frontier Gentlemen? Um, not necessarily. I just need something, you know, to get people to keep tuning in every week. Well, Frontier Gentlemen might do it. There is a good it. way to do that. Frontier Gentlemen is a good one. I think... That show is one of the best that was ever produced. John Daner is at his finest, and the storylines are just dynamite, and no commercials to interrupt. For a man going around the West, he's always in Montana territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But all of the scripts were realistic. Mm, maybe, I don't know about realistic. They were believable. And as, long as, as long as you have a believable script, you've got a riveted audience. Plays another part. If 
supposed to be this incredibly obese sheriff. At one point, he falls through the, the buckboard, you know, the, the, the wooden side. Oh, my gosh, yes. The one who and couldn't breathe, and he was terribly ill, and yeah, I remember you know, that one. Yeah, that's an Vader ugly show. That part. I, had to, I had to spill the beans in advance, because I think it's more fun if you know that he's playing both parts. Oh, my gosh, what a, what a, I mean, it's, oh, gee, the image. Just the visuals that that show created, they were fabulous. And I'm actually surprised by the reaction. You know, people want to know, you know, they want to hear more. I was ready to pull it at the end, you know, of, the, of maybe 13 weeks, but, you know, people just want to hear no. more, so. And they, it's, it's one of those shows that you can even listen to a second we, time and, and appreciate it just as much. Yeah. But, you know, they'll appreciate it if I take it off for a while and bring it back later. They'll like it then, too. I just don't know. Well, you know, could, run, you could run through the whole series and then do it again. Would Johnny Dollars have the same impact, Max, if you played the 15-minute Johnny Dollars? Do you think that would have the same draw uh, for people? the Johnny Dollar dailies are tough because, you know, they're meant to be listened to one a day. Right. If you stretch it out over five weeks, I think you lose, you know, just people's memory of what happened the day before. Mm-hmm. Now... What I do often with serials and what I do on Saturday morning is I put two together. Yep. So they move you know, a little more quickly. But, you know, still, you know, Chandu, that was on over a year, took three years on uh, two a week. It People got tired of that by the time it was over. Although uh -huh. Chandu was one of my favorites. Can't get enough. <laughs> Hocus. Hocum and Hocus Pocus in, in Egypt. Sure. I tell you though, John Daner, I there are times I can listen to him on Gunsmoke. I can't figure out who he is. I mean, he's no. such a good actor. I. Uh, he's a master of sliding into roles, and and it's surprising because he had such a distinctive voice. But he was able to use it in so many different ways. I'm sorry, Walden, I interrupted. You know, you talk about John Daner, and I said, oh, oh, talk more, talk more. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, Patricia. But it's true. I'm finished. I, I'm finished intruding. I, I, I just stomped right on you, and I'm sorry. What do you think, Max? So have done world travel? That's a possibility, I guess. Uh, well, you know, I have to look and see if I have those in, in broadcast quality. Yeah. I guess they must be somewhere, but you know, it's always a struggle trying to find stuff. You know, always looking for upgrades. And I think of some of the things I used to put on the air because I couldn't find a better copy. You know, one thing the modern world has brought us is uh, you know, multiple ways to find better quality programs than the ones that I have on tape. You think you think today's listeners are more picky than it was? I mean, I'm concerned when I used to tune in to old-time radio on FM station back in the 70s. I didn't care. I was just fun to hear it, even though it might have been 8th or 10th generation. But maybe now, today, people would be more picky about the sound quality. I'm, I, I don't and, know. And, you know, when you're on FM, yeah. you don't want to, you know, I mean, I, there were things that I thought were just so good that I had to put them on, no matter how bad they were. And mm -hmm. I would work for hours trying to equalize them and fix them up. And, you know, also with digital, one thing that used to be a problem with tape was the speed would be, would vary wildly. And I had tricks, mechanical tricks, to fix off-speed tapes. Mm -hmm. I would wrap uh, masking tape around the capstan on the tape recorder, and that would add like a 0.3% a, a boost in speed. <laughs> or if I put it on a recording machine, I can record it, you know, you can go fast or, or slow, but, you know, never enough. Now with digital, of course, you just set up, you know, you just set a figure and it fixes itself. Mm. So, and there's still a lot of stuff that's off speed out there, I find. It's true. It's, in many ways, it's easier to produce something these days than it was back in the analog days. But you know, it's just still. Uh, I, I, you know, I just thinking probably the listeners today are so used to hearing things in high fidelity sound. Would they even appreciate something good content, you know, rather than over the quality? And I think you're right. I think you got to put the effort in 
to deliver the best sound Which quality. You but you know, if I come across something that's you know, I mean, look look at the Quiet Please, just yeah. a perfect example. Yeah. They only exist one way, scratchy and pretty wretched. Right. You know, there are twelve that were saved by somebody else that are perfect, and then there's the rest of them that the widow uh, had in the garage. Yeah. Someone went with bad equipment and taped them on the cassettes, and that's what we have to work with. Now, people have tried to clean them up, and some people have done a good job, but they're still very scratchy, and there's mm -hmm. no way around it. Mm -hmm. and until, you know, until they find that those discs again, and the widow disappeared with them. <laughs> I have no doubt somebody could do a better job, but, you know, if they can't find the discs again, it's never going to happen. So we have to use what we have, even if they're scratchy. Have anybody ever called the radio station and said, Hey, Max, I got a bunch of transcriptions. Uh, would you like, can I loan them to you and, you know, you arrange to dub them or have that, have that ever happened? Very, uh, transcriptions? No, I don't think I've ever gotten transcriptions, but uh -huh. I have gotten, uh, somebody sent me a master tape of, uh, some Theater Fives that they found in the garbage. <laughs> There's actually a, a guy who works at ABC, still mm -hmm. to this day, who occasionally rummages around there and finds old transcriptions that he has sent me. Day stuff. Oh wow! The news stuff. Yeah. Uh, occasionally, he finds something and sends it to me, and I usually put it right on the air. Mm. Uh, I did get a large collection of, you know, a, a a a collector who moved and left everything in the basement, and someone contacted me through the show, and uh, actually drove me out to the house and helped me pack it all up and put it in storage. So I have a large collection that I've barely scratched the surface of, but it's all on tape. Yeah. Yep. I mean, occasionally at the old-time radio convention, I would buy transcriptions. I had some March of Time shows, and, uh, gee, one year early on, when Joe Webb was just a youngster. Yep. You know, ahead, he was a head man of the, of the convention committee, but I think he was still a teenager. Yep. We got together and pooled our money with a couple of other guys and bought a set of counter-spy discs, and I think those are the ones that are still, you know, the ones that are in circulation. Sure. But I never had a transcription table. We have a turntable at the station that is just barely big enough. If Sometimes the transcriptions are bigger than 16 inches, and they won't fit on this thing, but if they are really 16, I can fit them onto the turntable there. <laughs> Wow. And there used to be a store in New York, you know, like a Army-Navy type store where they had piles of those Armed Forces discs. Mm. Apparently nobody wanted even then. And they just, you know, were like on a flatbed dolly stacked four feet high, and if you wanted to, you could go through them and pull them out for a buck a piece. But, you know, it was all that typical Army stuff. Sure. You know, none of the good shows that we, you know, the, the lost suspenses that we look for with all that music. Sure. And, you know, uh, you know here's to the... Sure. My boots and that sort of thing. Wow. Wow. So how was the Christmas uh, um, overnight shift this year? Anything happen, or was it, pretty, was it pretty quiet for you at work? You know, I think I had one live show, and everything else was pre-recorded. I still had to produce two newscasts, though, which is part of my job in the overnight. I have to produce a half-hour news and a, a one-hour news for the network. So how would you do that? I mean, are you rip and read, or is it get put oh, in no, a no, track? We, we have an agreement with the... All right, now, I know this is going to rub some people the wrong way, naming this... This, this news organization got me thrown out of an old-time radio. <laughs> Al Jazeera English. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Despite what you may think, that's not Al-Qaeda English, it's Al Jazeera. Uh-huh. It's a legitimate news organization. Right. It's by the government of Qatar. Right. And they do news that's equally as good as BBC World News. They have people all over the world. And they do great reporting, I must say, as, you know, someone who has to listen to it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's part of my job is to listen to it, but they do great. It's a good newscast. And we take the audio soundtrack, and I try to remove as many clues to the fact that it's a television show. You know, if they say you're watching, I have to take that out. 
but they say, don't look at this next video, it's too horrible to look at, I take that out. <laughs> uh, so we make it into a radio broadcast, and it's carried by at least 60 affiliates of Pacifica, which is the company that I work for. Right. And, uh, you know, there's a half hour and there's a full hour, and that's, you know, I have to put those together and put them on the network. Like 5 a.m. every every night that I work. So how much legal, how much lead time do you get? I mean, when do they actually? I'm assuming they upload it and you pull it down. How how yeah. how long do you got? Like 12 hours or? What? Oh no no no! I, I, for the for the full hour broadcast, I use their nine to ten news, which is the only hour that that there is between then and the deadline. Okay. So I have to strip out, let's see, there's uh, usually two minutes of weather in the middle telling you about the typhoons in uh, Arabia and, mm -hmm. uh, and Australia. So that comes out, all of their house ads come out, and uh, when I'm done, I have to then find somewhere else from some other newscast a different story, because we need to plug in, a, there's usually a three-minute hole that needs to be filled. So I have to pick something from a later broadcast to fill in. And, of course, we have six minutes of sports every day, which gives you all the latest cricket news, which is exciting, I'm sure, in this country. <laughs> I used to cut it out when I had more time, but uh -huh. I don't anymore. <laughs> because part of my duties at the station, they have now, while I'm supposed to be editing this news, they have been put live programs on in the middle of the night that I have to get up and engineer. So it's a challenge every day engineer live programs while I'm supposed to be editing the news. But as the program director told me, just shut up and do your job. Grievances <laughs> so, have been filed. So the half hour new cast, you take it from the hour and cut it down, or you take it from a different source, a different no. period? For the half hour, I like to get it as, as current as possible, because a lot of stations carry this at 6 in the morning or 7, they carry it early. So I usually try to go for the two or three o'clock. It doesn't take as much editing, and you know I can get that finished by five thirty and uploaded. And we also run it on our air at five thirty, so it has to be finished by then. But you know, also if you think that you know the, the time in where it, it comes from, their headquarters in uh, in Doha, and they are six or eight hours ahead of us. Okay. So they start new stories, you know, their people start working around 6 in the morning, and their new stuff starts rolling in at three, 2 or 3 o'clock hour time. Because they roll over, you know, like any other state yeah. doing news 24 hours, they just run the same stuff over and over and over. And they do that on a, generally a 24-hour cycle. So the new stuff starts hitting at around 2 or 3 in the morning, and, you know, I prefer to use the latest possible one to give, you know, we call it news, not uh, yesterday's newspaper. So that's, that's my philosophy. So do you upload to the satellite, or do are they, are the Pacific Station take it from an Internet site, or do they... Uh, no. Okay. Pacifica has a, a program distribution hub where producers can, you know, if they have a show that they uh -huh. think other stations would like to carry, they can just put it up there for sharing among the Pacifica stations and all the affiliates. And it's, it's a special place there where the news goes. Mm. Mm. Well, how is Pacifica doing? I've heard that they have sh had some struggles here lately. Is it still, is it pretty much all hanging in pretty pretty good or not? Uh, you know, it could it could go at one crisis and it could all be over. Okay. Where we are right now. Okay. We're that close to the brink of disaster. Okay. But uh, at, at BAI, by the end of January, we'll be in at least two new locations because we're leaving our Wall Street headquarters. Uh, with our tail between our legs, because of Hurricane Sandy, uh, the city is offering free rent at other locations. So the station jumped on this idea. Mm -hmm. They're going to save like $37,000 a month on the rent. They're going to get free office space very near to where we are now. And just like where we are now, there are no phones and won't be until May when they get around to replacing all of the copper wiring that got rusted out in the salt water. So the offices are moving somewhere. They've already moved, basically. In the studios, they're finalizing a deal that we're going to be moving from the tip of lower Manhattan to 
somewhere on 145th Street in Harlem for the, for the studios. So, I don't know. It's a longer commute for practically everyone. <laughs> no yeah. guests will come. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's going to be an, an interesting time for at least six months to a year or more. The ultimate goal is for us to save enough money to buy a building where we can all, you know, reunite and build a permanent home that we own. But we'll see how far those plans go. Were, were you guys at the Wall Street location when 9-11 happened, or was that a different... Yes, I, we were, I was working that day. I was right there. I went out with a tape recorder and recorded sound on the street that morning and got covered with dust. Wow. Yeah, oh. Uh, somewhere, I, I, I You know, I, I had never done a news report before, and I'm thinking to myself, how would Edward R. Murrow do this? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I went out and tried to paint a, a word picture of the scene. But, you know, it was very overwhelming. At one point, I just shut up and, you know, recorded. There were like ten fire trucks down under the bridge at the end of Wall Street, just wailing away, and I just recorded that sound for a while. Were you at the building when it happened, did, or, and when did you ever get home? Oh, well, getting home was an ordeal in itself, because, of course, they stopped the trains. Yeah. The phones were all dead, because everyone was trying to make calls. Subways, well, I mean, one of them didn't open, one of the stop near the station didn't open for years afterwards because of, you know, the collapse pretty much was underneath where the building collapsed. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I had to uh, join the long trail of people walking up uptown, and eventually I made my way across town where there were some trains running going uh, back to Queens. So I got home uh, like three hours after I left station at noon. I had been there all night. I had been on the air that morning. I had wow. a show that morning. Wow. And I was just hanging around after my shift a little bit when it all started. And, uh, I looked out the front window. We have this beautiful picture window. One thing about our Wall Street day is that we have nice views out the windows. Mm-hmm. And it overlooks the East River. And I just see millions of pieces of paper fluttering in the sky because, you know, I guess the impact just let loose all of this paper into the air. Yeah. And uh, then when I went out later with the paper recorder, you know, my first sight, well, I figured I would head over to where the buildings were, see if I could get some sound there. And just as I'm, I go around the corner and suddenly all of these people are running in my direction, and you know, that was when the first building fell down. Yeah. And then I look up Wall Street, and there's just a black cloud about 200 feet high just rolling down the street at me. So I went back inside and pretty much gave up my news reporting job. I handed in the tape I had <laughs> and yeah. went home. What about Sandy when I said, oh, were you at the radio studio when uh, when you guys were hunkering down for that, or how did you do? Well, that night, I had a four-hour fundraising show, mm-hmm. and I was planning to go in because they said, you know, the, the trains will run until midnight. So I figured I get off at 11, I can I get out just in time. And then earlier in the day, they decided they're going to shut the trains down at noon. So I ended up just emailing the show in. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people who were at the station, about five or six people stayed behind. And they were trapped in the building because the water from the East River. uh, Let me see if I can describe this. We're in the last building. There's a street called South Street that the South Street Seaport is on a few blocks up. And there's also the FDR Drive, which is an elevated highway that's about 20 feet off the ground. And between that, you know, so the west side highway run there, the FDR is above South Street, and the East River is just beyond, and Brooklyn will cross the river. Uh, there's also a fountain in front of the station that's about eight feet high. It was a memorial for the uh, 911. The water of the river came up about 20 feet. The 
the water went so high as to cover the middle light on the traffic lights on the street were over the fountain in front of the station and came up, the building lobby is up about six stairs, mm. and that building lobby was about four feet in water. So the river bed, the river, the river level was 20 feet above normal, went I don't know how far up Wall Street, and our building, uh, the basement of course was flooded, and that's where all the electric is and all the phones, and generators are right, you know, like under the sidewalk outside the building. So that all went, and basically everyone in the building had to stay until the water receded in the morning. What a mess. Yeah, so we went off the air. They had arranged to uh, an alternate location to broadcast from, and then the lines went down to the Empire State Building in some flood. So even our backup plan failed because we couldn't get the signal to the transmitter in the Empire State Building. So it was a mess, and then we had to broadcast from other studios for a couple of weeks until we could get back in the building. Hmm. And ours was the first building on the street that got back in business. And some of them are still out, believe it or not. Hmm. We still have generator trucks all over, you know, lower Manhattan, pumping electricity into buildings. <laughs> So, I mean, the effects are still there, and the phones will be out until, you know, even the Fios lines, they sure. say, you know, the, the lines don't corrode, but they have a computer at either end to send the signal along, and those all were destroyed. Wow. So, Fios is down, copper is down, and most of the phone system in that lower Manhattan was, you know, like 100 years old, mm. and it's all pretty much destroyed, they have to rewire the whole place. That's why we have no phones. Skype is coming into its own. <laughs> well, Patricia, you have any trivia question you want to throw Max away? Oh, speaking of which... Yes. Bullet, Roy Rogers. It came to me about an hour later after I spoke to you the last time. Ah, uh, see? <laughs> see? <laughs> what was the question? Remember last week you asked him what was the name of Roy Rogers' dog? No, no. Who, who owned a dog, a dog named Bullet? Who owned a dog named Bullet? And I thought of it about it. I didn't look it up. I swear I didn't look it up. It just came to me. Well, if it came to you, I think we ought to give you credit for it. <laughs> I was gonna I'm call serious. Him. I mean, if you, if you did this honestly, as he's and I trust him explicitly and implicitly, there you've you go. got it. There you or would you rather have another question? Oh no, I'll I'll take I'll I'll, I'll try again. All right. Well, let's see. I won't ask you a frontier gentleman. Mm, let's see. Okay. Who was Portland Hoffa? Uh, you mean Mrs. Allen? That's, that is absolutely correct. <laughs> who, who supposedly was playing a child on the show. I, you know, it never quite comes across that way, but she's supposed to be a child on the show. I did not know that. I always accepted her as an adult. Well, maybe it changed over the years, but it really I don't know. I mean, what do I know? I'm a, I'm a newbie at all of this. Okay, Max, do you think I have some stuff that you might like? No. Yeah, save it. Save it for. Save it for folks who, who need it more than I. <laughs> Well, I, I don't want you to go off like my mother, who said repeatedly, don't worry about me, I'll be fine. Well, maybe, are there anything you're looking for, Max? Maybe you want to upgrade something? Oh, you know, I would have or, to sit down and think about it. Or, maybe some unusual stuff that you don't normally come across. I've got some interesting history. We've got the baseball, uh, the World Series different World Series, uh, and quite a few of them, from 1934 through the middle 1960s. Are you a sports fan? You know, one time I made my uh, my brother-in-law's father very happy with baseball stuff. I gave him a bunch of baseball stuff, and he was a huge fan. Well, the question was, are you? <laughs> um, you know, I don't think I would spend the time... <laughs> 
World Series games. You, you're, <laughs> frankly. You're oh, by the way, brightening, it's almost old You're brightening my spirit, Max. I don't think I would either. <laughs> what, what do I have that he might like, Walden? Oh, gosh. What do you give to the guy who's got everything? Oh, uh, there's no the such internet, thing. Everything is right at your I, I think, I think... Don't tell that to my list. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, do you have all Richard and Parkies interviews in pretty decent shape? Do you, you know, Richard and Parkey? The what it became of? I know that was oh, the... You know, you know the, the ones I found online are pretty awful, actually. And, you know, since that originated at BAI, you'd think we'd have better... I would think you would. I don't think Pacifica has... Uh, they, have a, they have some, but I don't think they have nearly all of the output. And the ones I found online were not in very good condition, for the most part. We, we, we actually interviewed him once way back when. I just had him on a couple of weeks ago. Richard Lamparski. <laughs> yep, I just had him on a couple of weeks ago. He's still... Oh, he's still out there. Yep. Oh, good. Age 80, lives in Santa Barbara. Not putting the books out, though, I guess, because he stopped interviewing people. Yeah, but he got another book. He just hasn't been motivated to put one out, but he got another book done. But, uh, so maybe that might work, Patricia, something that, you know, something, uh, the, whatever, something I would like. whatever became of the Rachel and Parkey interview. I think you got close to a hundred of them. I've got quite a few. I haven't counted them recently, but... You know, and that would actually be something that I think the, the audience might enjoy to hear. Yeah. Use with some of the people, paired with some of the, with, a, with a, an episode. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. A whole new program. Max, would you send me an address where I can send them? Uh, well, let's see. You want to just send Patricia an email to her p- email address? Okay, I will do that. Well, that's a great idea. Did, did you follow up? Did you read that article about the BBC finding all of those lost, uh, Oh, what's his name? The old, uh, the guy who lived in Alistair Cook. I, I, oh, Alistair Cook, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't read the whole article yet. Well, basically, it's, it's, it's kind of what I try to do with Gene Shepard. They put out a call. Right. You have tapes, we want them, because the BBC's archives are pathetic. I know. They didn't keep anything, or they threw it away, or taped over it the way, just the way the American networks did. (laughs) But they had—they found two farmers who had bought tape recorders just to record his show, and they have all of 1979 from one guy, and uh, a couple of years from the early 70s from another guy because they taped them to listen to themselves. So now this is the kind of stuff we're always looking for. That's true, especially in Gene Shepherd land. You know, there still must be attics full of tapes. Somewhere. Oh, there gotta be. There has to be. Max, are you able to see well enough to write down my email address? Um, sure, I think so. Is it on okay. the website? Nope. Nope. Oh, it's, it's, fairly, it's fairly okay. Um, it's Florida Writer. Oh, I, oh, I need to find something. <laughs> Where's my word pad? Oh, where is it? program that has where I can type. I'm not finding one either. Well, all right. Well, I'll, I'll do something. Are you able to give me, an, or do you have Max's email address, Walden? It's, it's, here's a simple one. Max at WBAI.org. I can do that. Yeah. I'll send, I will send you my address, and you can send me an address to get these shows to you. Oh, great. I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, this is service, Max. I, you just don't get this everywhere. Yeah, and you know, and you'll you'll end up hearing it on the radio. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well, Max, I really appreciate your calling in. I hope you're doing well tomorrow and um, that you're happy with the surgery. I think you will be. Oh, yes. I, once, uh, once I get this thing off my eye. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. So, well, really well, you have it. a happy day tomorrow. Take care of yourself and right. um, you. stay warm. And you too. Yes, stay okay. warm. Not you, Walden. I know. I'm I'm lucky. Yeah, it's been it's been cold around here lately. Oh, Max, poor guy. All right, well, stay warm, Max. We'll talk to you soon. 
Okay, nice speaking with you. Same here. Bye-bye. Good night. You bet. There's our buddy Max Mead. He'll be heard Saturday morning on this fine network. Well, Patricia? Yes, Alden? Should we play a show or should we get call it quits? So what would we like to do? I think we need to wait just 10 minutes to make sure that nobody is out there waiting to call us. Because okay. that was a very long call. And then maybe we could play a show? Uh-huh. We can play a show. Knew it. I knew it in my heart. Hello there, you're on here. I'm feeling better. You are. Yes, I'm not his horse today. Oh, well, you sounded pretty good a few hours ago. I hear a little fog there. Well, it, it's just this stuff is gets, you know, in my chest and still trying to, to get it all gone. I just wanted to say, um, I, I was, uh, it was good to hear, uh, our new friend, uh, is it Max or Mac? Yeah, Max Mead. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, what, uh, I wanted to say was, the other night, when he called, he mentioned a movie I hadn't thought of in a long time that I've never seen that my mother, God rest her soul, she talked about it being on television and it was the funniest movie she ever saw. And he mentioned it, but he couldn't think of the whole name. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole title. Mm -hmm. And it was Ollie Hobnoodle's Haven of Bliss. And I have looked for that. It's not in any of the movie books. And um, uh, I do have a resource that...